This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. Yeah, each drive got easier and easier. Each drive got easier and easier. It kept reminding me of practice. You know, I, I was, I'm 1-0 as a starter, and I'll play in that forever. I'm, you know, batting a 1,000. So uh, it, it's a good feeling. You know, it's a big logo school on the, on the West Coast. And that is the voice of former TCU quarterback and Alamo Bowl hero, Bram Kohlhausen. Bram will talk about the great comeback in the 2015 Alamo Bowl against the University of Oregon, as well as the book that is coming out about him recapping his college career and what he is up to now. And we are very excited today for a special episode of the TCU Alumni Podcast. We are joined by former TCU quarterback, Bram Kohlhausen. Bram is a well-known figure in TCU football history, known with one of the greatest games in TCU football history, and we'll touch on all that here in a little bit. But, Bram, I want to welcome you in, and thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get started about your time at TCU, let's uh, let's go back a little bit. You actually began your college career at the University of Houston, and then transferred into TCU. So um, talk about kind of your, your career prior to TCU and why you decided to uh, come to TCU. And U of H was probably one of the better learning experiences I've ever had. Um, I went and uh, played under a great quarterback named Case Keenum and learned from a great coach named uh, Cliff Kingsbury and uh, learned a lot about, you know, offense, spacing, um, being a teammate and I was redshirted. I was buried in the depth chart. I was redshirted and uh, had a lot of time, had a lot of time there. Next thing you know, um, I got buried in the depth chart the following year because, you know, I wasn't going to workouts or, uh, you know, being late to meetings and stuff. So it was an interesting time. It was a great learning experience and um, it probably made me a better player and man that I am today. And so after your, your uh, career at U of H, you decided to come to TCU. Why did you uh, choose TCU? You know, I went to TCU because I went to junior college and uh, got injured. I, I tore up my shoulder. I had surgery. Um, I didn't really have any big-time offers. And uh, there's a guy named Doug Meacham. He's still on staff at TCU. He's probably one of the best coaches I've ever played for. And um, he told me that, He'd, he'd make room for me. He saw he saw a vision. He saw a talent, um, and he ta- he talked uh, our quarterback coach at the time to make room for me, and and, and he did. And that, so I, so I, I was injured. I, I walked on. They rehad me back. Uh, I was able to play uh, the first fall I was on campus, and um, it, it's all credit to Doug Meacham. Hmm. And you come in for the 2014 and 2015 season, uh, two of the best teams uh, TCU's had in, in recent years. Uh, obviously, some great teams in the last. But yeah, 2014 I think... team is the best team ever. It, it, it beats Rose Bowl. It beats all of those teams. Um, you can you can note it down now. Write it down now. You've heard that 2014 better than the Rose Bowl. We're we're making uh, we're making grand statements here. Uh, Every week, and I go back to that's uh, a it's a it's a it's a good debate. It is that's a, that's a debate that's one of those that's going to be had you know people fifty years from now, which is better, the Rose Bowl or the twenty fourteen team? 
So, uh, so you're on the team in 2014 and 2015, and especially you want to touch on that 2014. What's that atmosphere like? You guys, you know, we all know the way it ended, and you know the way it ended, unfortunately. But what was the just the the atmosphere around the team as you guys were dominating every week and kind of on and off the field? It was electric. It was exciting to be a TCU football player. Everybody wanted to go to the games. Um, in college football, when you have, you know, outsiders reaching out for tickets, that's when you know you're something special. And we were a special program. We were a special team that year. Um, we were scoring, you know, close to 55 points a game. Um, it was it was just a special special time to be a Horn Frog. Um, and you know, we just because we weren't a big logo school, we 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 got snubbed from the college football playoff. And um, look what's happening in the college football landscape now. It's 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 going to turn into two conferences and uh, money schools. And 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 we got snubbed, but that year we were 100% the best team in the nation, um, without a doubt. We 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 we, we, we would have beat anybody that we were matched up against. And I think a lot of I know fans from TCU. I know my myself was wondering after the snub into, in the on the day that we we don't speak about that you know Ohio State somehow jumps and TCU goes from three to six. You know, there's a lot of wondering about how the team would come out for the bowl game that year. Um, you know, thinking well, we we deserve to be a, at least a playoff, and as you said, probably would have beat everybody that was in the playoff. And then coming out and just uh, destroying Ole Miss like you did, how were you guys able to lock in and you know not dwell on the disappointment, but really kind of try to feel like you had more to prove? Um, I feel like it all started with the preparation. It started with the head coach, the offensive coordinator, Doug Meacham. Um, they got us right. They, they, they. It was like it basically put us on alert that. No, no, nobody was going to give us credit for what we had done the previous 12 games. Um, and, you know, they're going to match us up in the Peach Bowl, which was a New Year's Six Bowl, which is great, but it wasn't a playoff. Um, and they were going to put an, old, an Ohio State team that lost, you know, at home to Virginia Tech that year um, in front of us. And it was, it was, it was, it was a fire. It was, it was a fiery time for us. And, uh, um, you know, we, we capitalized on getting an opportunity to play a big-time SEC school, and, you know, the results speak for itself. I think we beat them by, like, 40 points. So, um, and that team that we beat by 40 points beat Alabama uh, that year, and uh, it's just it, – it, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic how college football works, but um, there's a lot of numbers that go involved, um, and <laughs> I don't think the average college football fan can – can understand what what exactly happened that year. I I think that's still being debated every time that they talk about uh, the college football playoff committee on selection Sunday. They they tend to omit what the criteria is because of 2014. I don't think any of us really quite know. Um, but going back to yourself, uh, you know the backup quarterback you came in. You were backing up Trevon Boykin, and the backup quarterback is either the most popular guy on the team, depending on how the starting quarterback's doing, or not many people know who he is. So personally, how did you embrace that role of, you know, you're were, you were obviously an integral part of the team during the week, but on Saturdays, not a lot of people, you know, kind of saw what you were doing. Um, so how did you kind of see your role on the team? 
Uh, my role on the team was basically to sit back and relax and enjoy the show, grab some popcorn and watch Trayvon Boykin and Josh Doxson and the Joey Hunts of the world, you know, perform uh, on Saturday for, for the Horned Frog fans. You know, they were they were spectacular. And, and everybody got to see about four hours of game time for from them on Saturdays. You know, what, what I saw was Monday through Friday, I got to see them at practice, you know, perform and, and the, the capabilities they had. Um, and some of the film on practice was just spectacular. So it was just an honor to be a part of that team and um, sit back and relax and watch these guys perform. These are some of the best players that ever came through that school. Um, they'll be marked in history. They're on walls. They're on billboards they're on uh, history books and it was a good time to be a frog at the at the 2014 season and as, and as you're sitting back watching practice and, and I know coach Patterson was you know all about take care of your job and and do anything was there kind of a feeling amongst the players that we're not real worried about Saturday even though we're fanning some of the the helmet schools as you like to say the Oklahomas and and the Texases and you know, the guys that, you know, people didn't maybe give you much of a chance going through those seasons? Well, at the time, the biggest, the best school in, in the conference was us and Baylor, and we probably had the lowest attendance of any of them. Um, but, yeah, UT, we weren't worried about UT. UT will always be our little brother. Um, OU was tough. Um, Oklahoma State was tough. West Virginia was tough. Um but yeah, it was a, it was fun to watch us go on the road, beat West Virginia on College Game Day, you know, beat Oklahoma at home, um, beat Oklahoma State by like 80 points, um, beat Texas Tech by like 60. Um, it was it was just a good. I mean, we we were the best team in the nation that year, especially on offense. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think you know, we all remember running out of fireworks. Yeah, there was a time where you know we couldn't. I think I think we were playing Kansas State at home or something, and and I took a knee on fourth down to turn it over to Bill Snyder. Um, I remember getting a text from Johnny Manziel, just you know, you know, telling telling me, well, why why in the world would you take a knee on fourth down? I was like, you know, the coach called it, and you know, I'm fighting for my backup job. So yeah, I took a knee. I'm I'm listening, but you know, we we ran out of fireworks that year. That's that's exactly right. That's the whole narrative of the 2014 season is that the fireworks ran out, um, and we went on to the postseason. We got snubbed, and we ended up beating, you know, a great Ole Miss team that um, was very talented. And people may not know this, but coming out of high school, you were ranked higher than Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel obviously makes a big name for himself, but you were you were no slouch in your own right. Did you? Kind of have a, a, a maybe a rivalry with with some of those guys growing up. No, I, I never really had a rivalry with any of those guys that that I grew up with. You know, at Nike camps or um, college camps, um, we always just wanted to, each other to succeed and do well and root each other on. But you know, come game day, if we ever faced each other, we were gonna hope our defense did um, did what they needed to do against them, um, and vice versa. So. Um, it was always love. There's always good good love for everybody uh, to succeed and go chase the NFL and, and chase a check, really. And, the and of course, the reason you specifically are uh, a part of TCU history is because uh, you got through 12 games throughout your career at TCU, but, of course, you're known best for 
the Alamo Bowl. Uh, you didn't get a lot of a notice prior to getting into the game for uh, being the starter. Once you do find out you are the starter, how how do you prepare? How did you prepare? And kind of how did you get ready to go against Oregon? Well, that year or that night, um, I got the news. I texted one of our graduate assistants and said, Hey, I don't, I don't have a play sheet. Like Trayvon has that play sheet. I don't have it. I don't, I don't know what plays we're running this week. So in about 24 hours, they slid one of the door. Uh, I woke up and there was a play sheet on the ground of my hotel room. And uh, I started studying it. I had friends quizzing me about it in the hotel room, you know, going through reads. Um, it was, uh, I was not prepared for that game, and uh, in a matter of 24 hours, I became the most prepared guy on the team. And, of course, you know, the first half is not going the way any Frog fan would like, and, you know, some would say, well, when you give your quarterback 24 hours to prepare to to play, then that's kind of the uh, example. So you're down 31-0. What do you remember about halftime in terms of how you guys still had the mindset? Was it a moment? Was it something somebody said? in terms of uh, how you guys were going to turn this around? Everybody likes to ask about halftime. And, and halftime was um, – it was really quiet on the, on the offensive side of, of, the, of the locker room. The, the defense, they, they, were, they were hot. They were pissed off. Um, they had graduate assistants that were mad. They had Gary Patterson yelling at them. Um, but I don't think in the, in the Gary Patterson era that they had given up 31 points and a half to anyone. Um, so that was the, the big concern for Gary. Um, on the offensive side, I was just trying to figure out if I was going to play the second half or not, and if I needed to you know, maybe take off my pads or um, you know claim an injury or you know tell him I'm sick or something, get out of there. I I, I wanted to bail, but uh, there is there is some reassurance afterwards that the defense wasn't going to let them score again. Um, their their quarterback had just gotten hurt. Um, it it was uh, it's 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 tough to remember exactly what happened in that situation, but I just remember a lot of the offense side was quiet, the defense was was pissed, and we came together and decided that you know these guys aren't better than us, no matter who's playing. These guys aren't better than us. They're from Oregon. They're, they're West Coast. They're soft. All that stuff. And, you know, we decided to come out and, 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 and give it to them. And so you personally, you, you lead uh, nine straight scoring drives, a triple overtime win, 47-41. As you, as you were going through the game, did it just sort of, sort of start clicking for you and you were just like, hey, I've done this. It may have been a while, but, hey, I, remember, I still remember kind of how to do this. Yeah, each drive got easier and easier. Each drive got easier and easier. It kept reminding me of practice. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was I'm one to know as a starter, and I'll claim that forever. I'm you know batting a thousand, so uh, it, it's a good feeling. You know, it's a big logo school on the on the West Coast, and you know, uh, I'll celebrate my 30th birthday on their territory in Oregon at Bandon Dunes, and I'll always know that I am undefeated uh, as a college quarterback, as a starter, and, uh, you know, I, I took down one of the best 
best logos in college football. And something people may not know is that you played that game with a broken wrist from when you got in versus Oklahoma earlier in that in that year and another comeback you almost led. How much pain were you in trying to trying to fight through that with a broken wrist? There was really no pain. There was no pain. Um, I had it taped up so so tightly and and it, it was almost immovable. I, if you look at any pictures, you'll see some a bunch of tape and then a big old wristband around my wrist, but. Um, it was a strange, strange fracture. Um, so it wasn't too painful, but if I landed on it wrong, uh, it, it would give me a sharp, sharp sense of pain. Um, but if, if, if you watch the game, you can tell that I carried the ball, uh, even running to the left side on my right hand the whole time. I never switched it over. Um, but it, it was a, it was a small injury. It, it was uncomfortable. Um, but it wasn't a, a big factor to, to how I was playing. And so following the game, you guys win, and you're with your mother on the field because you you, you had uh, unfortunately lost your father earlier that. So what what do you remember the emotions of that? Uh, first, you, you came back for the greatest comeback, and, you know, one of the greatest in college football history, if not the greatest in college football history. And then you have that moment with your mom, your first game as a starter. Just, you know, what was it? what is it like to relive that emotion? You know, I was looking for my entire family right after the game. I, I I grabbed like one of our equipment guys' phones. I called my mom's phone, called my brother's phone, and I was just like, "Dude, did they leave? I think they left. Um, they were all dead. Every phone was dead. Um, they uh, each one of them had about a hundred to two hundred text messages or, or missed calls uh, from family members, friends, cousins." Um, acquaintances, people that didn't even know, just call and be like, whoa, your, your kid's you know, kicking ass right now. Um, I got into the locker room. My phone was dead. It had 700 text messages. Um, so I, the, the emotions after the game was just like, where, where are my, where's my family? Where are the people closest to me? And how do I celebrate with them? And um, luckily my oldest brother, Dash, talked an Oregon fan into his sideline pass, gave it to my mom, and she walked down on the field, found me, and we embraced right off the 50-yard line, and it was incredible. Wow, that's that's I, never, I had not heard that story about us stealing an Oregon sideline pass. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's one way to make sure you get out onto the field. Yeah, that's how, the, that's how she got on the field. She, I think there might have been a, a Benjamin Franklin involved, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she, she she snuck down on the field and, and came and gave me a big old hug and we celebrated on the field with our teammates and with the coaches and it, it was probably one of the better feelings uh, off field for a while. And so after the game, you go on, you know, pretty much the uh, the equivalent of a Super Bowl MVP tour. Everybody wanted you on their TV show, radio show. You were at Mavericks games. Um, what, what was that like to go from, you know, when they were introducing the starting quarterback on ESPN that night, they had to make sure they pronounced your name right to, you know, two months later, you're on everybody's TV show. In all honesty, it was, it was, it was tough for my, uh, for my psyche and my ego and my head, but, um, I think I did okay in all of the interviews. I think I did exactly what they needed me to do, but, um, it, it was a strange feeling from being, you know, 
not not having very much attention to being um, asked to be on you know nationally televised radio shows um, or TV shows. Um, so it was strange to me. I didn't know how to handle it, um, and I've learned a lot through it, for it. Um, and I'm glad that you know I made it to where I am today. Um, and as a as a huge TCU fan, and 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 a, and a book coming out about me in August, um, thanks to Jim Reeves and and Barry and everybody in Fort Worth um, to, to, to help put that on. And let, let's transition to that. Where are you in your life today? What has happened since you've uh, since you left your playing days at TCU? I'm in living in Austin, Texas. I actually went to dinner with Gary Patterson uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, living here in Austin, I'm working for a company called Disruptive. We do private um, private investments uh, with late stage companies, um, and it's just been a, a heck of a time it's been exciting uh i i can't trade it for anything in the world it, it, you come in and you work with great people you have a great mentor you have a great leadership and um at the end of the day you you have the best uh best intentions for your for your investors hmm. and down in austin does it get a little uh contentious when uh when we're playing the longhorns I haven't lived here since we've played, but I think the game's November 12th. It'll be a good one. It's here in Austin. Um, I'm ready for it. I can't wait. It's tough to root against Gary, but, you know, I'll always be a purple purple frog, and uh, I hope it's a good game, but I, I'll always root for the frogs. Well, remember, Coach Patterson used to say you just got to hate the other guy on the sidelines for four hours. So, you know, he said you're allowed to hate him for four hours. You know, I'll never hate Gary. I'll never hate Gary, even if it's for one minute. And he put us through so much good stuff through practices and, and talks and and chew-outs and everything. I mean, that guy is has taught me a lot. He is a great person to bounce ideas off. He's a great friend. Um, you know what? Maybe this year on November 12th, I'll hate him for an hour. But... Luckily, he's not a coach. Technically, he's not a coach, so he shouldn't be coaching. We'll <laughs> he shouldn't that be. Out there. That's right. He should not be. It's uh, Someone needs to make sure that we know where his hands are so he's not giving us signals um, in, a, in a closet somewhere. Um, I have a feeling you... he'll have a microphone, and that's about it. <laughs> you, t- you did touch on uh, the book coming out uh, by Jim Reeves and the publisher um, about the Alamo Bowl, about your uh, life at TCU and experiences. How did that process take place? When did they approach you and about how long did it come from, hey, we'd like to do a book to, hey, this book's coming out in about a month? They reached out to me, or Jim did, um, probably when I was 22 years old. I was still enrolled at TCU. And, you know, I said, absolutely, let's do it. And so much has changed since then. I'm it's been seven it's been seven years since the interviews um we went through covid went through health issues we went through moving we went through a lot of things we went through multiple multiple revisions of the book i i i went through uh periods where i wanted to just shut it down and say hey let's let's just 
let's not do it. I don't, I don't want, I don't want people knowing this much about me. Um, but Jim put it in in a, in a way that everybody can understand and everybody can relate to. And he did the best job that I've seen anybody do explain a situation, explain emotions, explain, um, sports than, than I've ever read. And I, and I read a lot of these sports autobiographies and biographies. Jim Reeves is one of the better ones uh, in the business, and he, 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 he did a great job. And so when uh, you're having to go through the, you know, you're telling the stories, obviously, seven years ago when you have immediate recollection. And then, as you said, now it's coming out. You're like, well, shoot, I don't know if I want people knowing what I did seven years ago, you know, off the field. What was kind of the what was kind of the impetus to say, hey, you know, this is OK. And this is, you know, this could actually help other people. You know, at the time, I, I enjoyed the attention. I enjoyed that somebody wanted to write a story about me. And then there is that the, the the murmurs of of possibly making a movie. And then there's a Disney uh, executive that came and met with uh, TCU executives. And I was like, shoot, let's put it out there on paper. I was told that I don't know how to make a movie, but if you put it on paper, it's pretty easy to sell. You got to have a script. So I was sold on that. And next thing you know, um, it took a long, long time. And there's still a potential of that. I was, you know, everybody in Fort Worth was like, you're the Rudy of Fort Worth. You're the Rudy of TCU. Um, You're the modern day Rudy. You're the Rudy that actually, you know, played and won. Um, It was an overwhelming experience, but I'm I'm glad we're here today. I'm glad we got through it. Seven years later, my, my head is still on my shoulders. And so, uh, on the movie, is there is this book kind of reignited those hopes for a movie, or or is that kind of shut down for the time being? You know what I I, I don't know I don't know I don't know how to make a movie. Um, it, there there have been some talks and emails that I've been you know attached on that mention you know producers or reach out if. If, if I want to pursue something like that, but you know, I don't, I don't know how to do it. I'm not a Hollywood guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a small family from Houston, Texas. And, you know, I'd need some help, help on that. So if, uh, there's been some people reaching out and, uh, we'll take those inquiries seriously and, and look at it and see what happens. But as of now, I have no idea. So for anyone listening to this that is in the movie industry or has connections, get in touch with uh, Bram and let's see if we can make this a movie. You know, prior to moving to Austin, I guess even now that you're in Austin, how often do you get a chance to come back and be around campus, be around the program, and uh, still stay in touch with TCU? I try to come up there once a month. Uh, what I do for work is business development and uh, the more face I can show, the more uh, interactive I can be. It's just better for us and our company. So I try to go up there once a month, spend three or four nights, meet people, play golf, go to practice, go to go to schools, um, go see Boschini, um, do everything like that. Um, so I'm I'm up there quite quite often. Um, might actually be up there tomorrow, but uh, we'll see. It's a, it's, it's a great, it's, it's probably one of the better towns in the state of Texas. You know, there's no traffic. It's got everything you need. It's got good people, great school. 
good good places to play golf, eat. Um, Fort Worth, I, I I can't I can't rave about it more. And uh, I know that you are now a busy uh, businessman, so we'll we'll let you get going. But one final question before we let you get going: What would you say is your favorite off the field TCU moment? Favorite off the field TCU moment. Shoot, you know what? Favorite off the field TCU moment probably would be my first summer at TCU. I think it was the summer of 2014 um, cheering on the TCU baseball team in the locker room while they were in the college world series. That was It was the entire football team. We had just finished workouts. We were watching on like a 23 inch screen, watching the baseball team um, and the Connor Becks of the world and the Brian Howard's and the, you know, slosh Nagels and all those guys just playing, playing in the college world series. It was really exciting. It, it really made me love TCU and how much, and how much love everybody actually has for each other and how much we root each other on. It, it was a good, good time. It was probably my second, second week on campus. And it was cool watching our football team root on our baseball team as hard as we were. And little did you know that you were going to be a uh, a precipice to what was going to happen over the next two years. Yeah, absolutely. At that point, I was a fourth-string quarterback. <laughs> well, that just shows you can go from fourth-string quarterback to talks from a di- to talks to a Disney movie because of your time at TCU. <laughs> exactly. Let Disney know they need to reach out. That's right. All right, Bram. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we, we're excited to uh, for your book to come out. Again, for those um, that are looking for it, please buy the book. Um, it's uh, released August 1st. It's talking about the story of Bram Kohlhausen. And then if you want to see Bram, you can see him on August 16th. Um, he'll be signing uh, autographs and doing a book signing at, in the shops at Clear Fork. So make sure you guys come out, see Bram. Uh, I'm sure he'll love to hear everyone's memories of the days that he uh, spoke about. And uh, it's great, Bram, for you to be able to reconnect with uh, Horn Frog Nation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, and go Frogs. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU alumni are changing the world.